0: Well, hello, hello, hello. It is time for... The Weekend Edition. Yep. We've got security stories. We've got... Uh, AI stories. A couple. We've got Google antitrust. hee. <laughs> and some miscellaneous stuff. So, I don't know if... My co-host will be writing shotgun with me this morning if he comes on in the middle he comes on in the middle um but we're gonna have a good time either way so let's get to it shall we you know and obviously be sure to like subscribe share all that sort of good stuff leave me a comment hey if you want to interact during the show I've got uh live chat set up so we can we can roll that way all right so first story of the day we're going to beat up on apple a little bit because why not why not indeed um so yeah remember oh guy it's probably been three or four months something like that since i'd since we first start since we first talked about this particular story um air tags if you're using them maybe think about stop it's pardon me maybe think about stop because the reality is these things are incredibly insecure um like stupid insecure AirTags problematic almost in the extreme at this point um I strongly suggest that you not use AirTags because they're so easy to access that data stream like it is kind of nuts um they're now in this class action that I talked about three, four, maybe even five months ago now. Um, the parties in this class action are alleging that the Air Tags have actually been used to facilitate murder. Um, so, two women who both faced stalking incidents with the help of Apple AirTag the class action lawsuit has since added more than three dozen other plaintiffs. Ouch. I think Apple's in trouble here. Um, they're now arguing that airtag based stalking can sometimes end in violence. Well, that's kind of the nature of any stalking, isn't it? Um, I don't want to make light of stalking at all. Um it's terrible. It's terrifying. Yeah, the consequences have been as secure as as severe as possible. Multiple murders have occurred in which the murderer used an air tag to track the victim. As evidence, the lawsuit cites several news articles which mention air tags being used to track and then murder a stalking victim. This includes an incident from July where a woman in Chicago was allegedly killed by her estranged boyfriend after removing an air tag he'd secretly placed in her car. We gotta be careful, people. We gotta be real careful like it's it's not no joke at all this is not how things should be um they Apple claims that they've added safeguards um but the lawsuits claiming that those protections remain inadequate uh especially for those of us using Android phones um Apple has yet to respond publicly but they've been expanding their efforts to stop potential abuse via location trackers well I'm sorry when you use a teeny little thing that like it's not even hard coded to a specific device as long as someone's within range of it and we're talking Bluetooth range here so they've got to be close Okay, um, you can tap into it fairly easily. Um, yeah, I don't see a good way for this to work right, for this to work safely. Uh, that's, but that's just me. And you know, if you guys have been around for a while, you know I'm not a huge fan of Apple at all. Um, they can be made very private uh, Connor likes to point that out on, on a regular basis and we'll show you how if you really want to use Apple but your best bet for privacy is a degoogled Android but I digress moving on with security news Guess what? They can bad actors can take your router and turn it into part of a botnet. What's a botnet, you might ask? Well, a botnet is a bunch of individual devices which are infected with a particular shared form of malware that allows the person who, person or persons who put that on the device or devices rather, to execute things like distributed denial of service attacks or DDoS. Um, It's been found that D-Link, Netis, Sunhealio, Sunhealio? Heo, I don't know, sureline Gettybrook, IP Camera, Yealink Device Management, Zy... Zyzelda Devices, TP-Link Archers, uh, Corinex JetWave, and TotoLink routers have all been f- shown to be vulnerable to this. At least running stock firmware. Um, so, this is slightly beyond many of you I fear but my strong suggestion is take a look at either DDWRT or OpenWRT and see if your specific router model is available see if somebody's worked on it and has created a version of either of those open open source firmwares for your device if they have download it follow the, follow the directions and you should be okay um, so yeah there have been thousands of devices uh, the peak was in mid September with over 20,000 TP Link Archer command injections. Um, This is no bueno, guys. We gotta be careful. D Links are actually targeted the most. Um, And they found four new critical severity vulnerabilities. Um, (laughs) Oh boy. Gee whiz, D-Link. Better deal with that, huh? I mean, the good news is that most of the time... um, Most of the time, D-Link and TP-Link Archer devices are an option to flash one of those open-source firmwares that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful and make sure that you update your update your firmware, even if you don't uh, go ahead and flash an open source one. So this particular, this particular malware is called iz1h9, which is a uh, variant of the Mirai botnet situation. Um, turns routers and other Internet of Things devices into remote-controlled bots for large-scale network attacks. Um, They've been used to do, as I mentioned, uh, distributed denial of service, but they've also been used to do brute force. So what's, what's the difference between those types of attacks? Well, distributed denial of service basically uses the botnet to spam a particular server. So, until it crashes, thus denying service, right? Brute force takes all of the processing power, and each of these individual devices usually isn't particularly powerful, okay? We're talking about your basic routers. We're talking about your fridge, your your nest, thermostat, right? Um But put aggregated, there's more than enough processing power to say brute force a strong password and gain illicit access to something. That's the point of those sorts of things. All right, so if you are a remote worker and you use SSH, if you're not careful if you don't know what you're doing you could be hit with shellbot okay um so shellbot basically transforms i traditional ip addresses into hex form which gets past um which gets past the normal filters because, you know, most of the time we're not thinking about hex necessarily. Um, I know I don't tend to um, unless I'm dealing with IP6 directly which I often don't. But yeah, so I sent this particular link link to Connor yesterday and he's like, it's no big deal um, if you know what you're doing. So, yeah, it uses the, uses the hex IPs to infiltrate poorly managed Linux SSH servers and deploy DDoS. Um, Shellbot or Perlbot is known to breach servers that have weak SSH credentials by means of a dictionary attack. With the malware used as a conduit to stage DDoS attacks and deliver cryptocurrency miners. Woo. Which, those things are just nasty. You guys, <laughs> I mean, they are nasty. Um, you think that your system is clean and then you get hit with one of these stupid things. And, well, your server gets hit with one of these stupid things. And all of a sudden... All your processing power gets sucked right out the window. And you gotta figure out what the heck's going on with that server. So, yeah, that's what to say about it, um, or what I got to say about it. So, the latest set of observed attacks using Shellbot has been found to install the malware using hex IP addresses as I said which and there's the regular IP um and why did they go hex because uh their regular IP address is probably in their in these detection signatures um So yeah, um just be careful. Like I usually say. Um moving right along, we've got Dark Gate. Um this actually is probably the exact same thing as this. Let's see. maybe not but we'll talk about we'll talk about that one next so Darkgate is spreading spreading via messaging services posing as PDFs Um, through who the heck still uses Skype come on people I thought Skype was dead but through Teams Um, In these attacks, the messaging apps are used to deliver a visual basic for applications or VBA loader script, which masquerades as a PDF document, which when opened, again, don't open crap. Don't open crap. Stop it. Just stop. Simmer down. You, You don't have to open everything that comes to your... To your team's messages okay especially if it came from somebody outside your organization just like with email make trust but verify and if the verification fails stop don't open it okay so it when you open it it triggers the triggers the download and execution of an auto-IT script designed to launch the malware. It's unclear how the originating accounts of of teams, because who the hell uses Skype? Who the hell uses Skype? Anyway, um how these teams' accounts were originally compromised. However, it's hypothesized to be either through leaked credentials available through underground forums or the previous compromise of the parent organization, according to Trend Micro. Um, Darkgate was first documented by Fortinet in November of 2018. It's a commodity malware, which incorporates a wide range of features, To harvest sensitive data from web browsers, conduct cryptocurrency mining, and to allow its operators to remotely control infected hosts. (sighs) Oh boy. It also functions as a downloader of additional payloads such as Remcos Rat. Wonderful. Um, So yeah. It's commodity malware. Which means it's basically malware as a service the fact that that exists you guys we need to wise up we need to wise up because if we don't we're just going to keep getting hit and you know even after we do wise up they'll keep trying Exactly, it's malware as a service. Ah, I said that already. My goodness. Um, and no, I didn't write an art. I didn't write an article this week. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, the use of MS Teams chat messages as propagation vectors for DarkGate was previously highlighted by TrueSec early last month, indicating that it's likely being put to use by several threats several threat actors. A majority of the attacks have been detected in the Americas, followed closely by Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, per-trend micro. So, maybe... maybe this round of threat actors is based out of Europe. Hmm. Who knows? Um... The, overall infection procedure abusing Skype and Teams closely resembles a mal-spam campaign reported by telecom security in late August, save for a change in the initial access route. The threat actor abused a trusted relationship between two organizations to deceive the recipient into executing the attached VBA script pretty straightforward it's like most malware these days it's all about social engineering you are on autopilot a lot of the time right so when you're on autopilot you just mindlessly open things let's let's slow that down let's take that moment To think through what we're doing. Okay. Just just a moment. It doesn't take long. Doesn't take long. Um. So yeah. The VBA script serves as a conduit to fetch the legit the legitimate auto IT application, AutoIT.exe, 3.exe, and an associated AutoIT script responsible for launching the Darkgate malware. Um, a zip with an LNK. Guys, don't just open crap. That's the bottom line here. And I know Connor would say the exact same thing Were he on today Don't open shit Even if it comes from somebody you know Before you open it Make sure that they actually sent it And if you're still A little weirded out Let your IT guy know about it Don't open shit Okay Okay Alright, and there's another flaw out with Adobe Acrobat Reader. Woohoo! Some versions of Acrobat Reader are vulnerable to a high severity flaw that threat actors are using to execute malicious code on target endpoints remotely. The alarm was sounded by the US CISA, or Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency which urged users to apply the patch and protect their premises immediately. The flaw, discovered by HackSys researchers, is described as a use-after-free bug and is being tracked as CVE-2023-21608. It carries a severity severity score of 7.8 and can be abused by having the victim run a malicious file on the target endpoint so it affects windows and mac again if you're on linux you probably don't need to worry about it um cisa has said that the flaw is being actively exploited without elaborating further further meaning that besides knowing that hackers are abusing the flaw, we don't know which groups are abusing it or against which entities or even how many organizations are affected. This is the second vulnerability discovered in Acrobat and Reader this year. So, yeah... To run the malware, the victim was required to open a specially crafted PDF document. Federal Civilian Executive Branch, or FCEB, agencies should apply the available patches by the end of this month. Okay, so, what does this mean? Well, basically, in in Adobe Reader and Acrobat, they are separate, but interrelated. Um, Acrobat is the PDF editor Reader is just Well a reader So you would open A file That is That was probably sent to you via email Right Once again We come across The standard don't open shit Don't open shit Um, PDFs are supposed to be safe but PDF is just a container just like a zip archive yep so if you open it you, you gotta make sure that you know who sent it and that they actually sent it if they didn't actually send it Because this thing will... So, a use-after-free bug... Basically, once the exploit is... Well, exploited. As soon as the resource that it references... Um, is... Not being used it will immediately execute some malicious code. Now, what that exactly means, I think it depends on what the threat actor chooses to do with it. But, yeah. Um, Just be careful. And, I mean, that's kind of the bottom line with all of this security stuff. Be careful. Don't open shit. FBI CISA warn of rising Avos Locker ransomware attacks against critical infrastructure. So, it's a ransomware gang, which has been linked to attacks against several critical infrastructure sectors in the U.S., with some of them detected as recently as May of this year. So, about five months ago now. That's according to a new joint cybersecurity advisory, released by the U.S. CISA and the FBI. So it is ransomware as a service. Once again, one of our favorite topics. Um, And they have seen, these agencies have seen enough of this to be able to describe their tactics, techniques, and procedures. Um, It affiliates compromised organizations' networks by using legitimate software and open-source remote system administration tools. Ooh, fancy. They then affiliate, or their affiliates, then use exfiltration-based data extortion tactics with threats of leaking and or publishing stolen data. The ransomware strain first emerged on the scene in mid-2021 and has since leveraged sophisticated techniques to disable antivirus protection as a detection evasion measure it affects windows and linux and vmware basically virtual machine environments um, a key hallmark of avos locker attacks is the res- reliance on open source tools and living off the land tactics leaving no traces that could lead to attribution. Also used are legitimate utilities like FileZilla and, Ar- and R-Clone for data exfiltration, as well as tunneling tools such as Chisel and Ligolo. L- Wonderful. Uh, C2 is accomplished by means of Cobalt Strike and Sl- Sliver, while Lasagne and Cats are used by are used for credential theft. Theft. Can I talk? I don't know. Here we are. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, this is this is nasty stuff, guys. And the fact that they're using living off the land and open source stuff. That doesn't mean that these applications have been specifically exploited. They've just been used as a part of social engineering campaigns because that's how most ransomware gets around is through social social engineering um, So so another that um, they've uploaded and used custom web shells to enable network access <laughs> these guys are actually kind of kind of smooth i'm i'm kind of impressed i shouldn't be but i am um Um, their attacks also employ custom PowerShell and Windows batch scripts for lateral movement, privilege escalation, and disarming security software. These guys might actually be kind of smart. Um, yeah... Another new component is an executable named NetMonitor.exe that masquerades as a network monitoring tool, but actually functions as a reverse proxy to allow the threat actors to connect to the host from from outside the victim's network. Wonderful! So these agencies are recommending critical infrastructure organizations to implement necessary mitigations to reduce the likelihood and impact of Avos Locker ransomware and other ransomware incidents. Um, Application controls, limiting the use of RDP and other remote desktop services, restricting PowerShell use, requiring phishing-resistant multi-factor authentication, segmenting networks. Yes, we talked about that last week. (laughs) Seriously, segment your networks, people. (laughs) Make it just a little bit harder. Make it just a little bit harder. Just a little. Keep your systems up to date. And maintain periodic offline backups. Yes. All these things are simple. Well, maybe not necessarily easy, but simple. Steps that everybody should be taking anyway. In other words... Do your job, IT departments. Don't just sit around going, (laughs) okay. So, how do we limit the use of RDP? Well, RDP is a Windows thing. If we move over to Linux, RDP goes away. Um, And RDP is, it's so insecure. It's a giant hole. Um... Like, as far as I know, it's not even... It's not even encrypted access. So, it could be... Man in the middle. Fairly easily. Um... If somebody was within the network already. Which, with this sort of... Attack... Methodology... They would be. Um... So limit your rem- limit the amount of time you spend remoting in. Uh, restrict PowerShell use. Most average users don't use PowerShell anyway. So on average user accounts, you can probably go ahead and disable it. Probably, um, except for very specific moments when an IT ge- an IT person actually has to run. Something in PowerShell Doesn't happen for real Anyway Requiring phishing resistant Multi-factor authentication Duh Again We talked about this This should be default by now Um Yeah Offline backups So What that Basically what that means Is You only periodically attach the, whatever your backup solution is. And other than that, it stays, um, air-gapped. So maybe you wanna run, run a, run a system-wide backup nightly when nobody's working. Only connect during those hours and make sure that it gets disconnected at the end of that shift. That way, whatever was done that day and make sure it's incremental. Nightly incremental backups. Seem like a really good idea right now. Anyway, I digress. Um, Mozilla warned of ransomware attacks leveraging malvertising campaigns, which trick users into installing trojanized versions of Thunderbird, ultimately leading to the deployment of file-encrypting malware and commodity malware families, such as IcedID. Lots of ransomware attacks this year, guys. Um, Wow. Major surge. So... Threat actors are moving swiftly to deploy ransomware within one day of initial access in more than 50% of the time that they were caught, according to SecureWorks, which, wow, just last year, it was four and a half days. Sounds like they're more organized. So here's the ransom note that happens when you get hit with Avos Locker. Um, Attention, your systems have been encrypted and your confidential documents were downloaded. In order to restore your data, you must pay for the decryption key at application. You may do so by visiting us at blah, 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 blah. This is an onion address that you may access using Tor Browser, which you may download, blah, blah, blah. Details such as pricing, how long before the price increases, and such will be available to you once you enter your ID presented to you below in this note in our website. Contact us soon because those who don't have their data leaked leaked in our press release blog and the price they'll have to pay will go up significantly. In more than 10% of incidents, this ransomware was deployed within the first five hours of a confirmed penetration. Um, yeah, the the shorter amount of time it takes for you to actually act on something, you're less likely to be detected because it's not just sitting there in that network going do 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 do. Um, so yeah. So yeah, be careful. Don't open shit. All right, now we've got NuGet. Fi- uh, researchers from Phylum recently discovered a malware campaign on the NuGet package manager for the .NET framework. Microsoft. Uh, trying to trick people into infecting their in- endpoints with a remote access trojan called zerozen or zerozen or something—I don't know. Um, unnamed threat actors updated updated a malicious package called PathosChild.Stardew.Mod.Building.Build.Config. A typo squat of legitimate of a legit package with a similar name, pathoschild.stardew.modbuildconfig. Notice the missing periods there, or the additional periods. So how do you get this thing? You typo when you're looking for .NET stuff on NuGet. If run, the package activates a PowerShell script which downloads a file called named x.bin, which is actually Open Windows batch script. This file builds and runs another PowerShell script which ultimately delivers the Cerrozen rat or remote access Trojan. For typosquatting attacks to work, the victims need to be distracted, burnt out, or plain reckless. In this instance, the attackers went a little further to try and build legitimacy. They artificially inflated the Dart, the download count. So while the proper package has some 80,000 downloads, the malicious one has more than 100,000 or appears to. That way, when the developers with a little more due diligence done might still be tricked into downloading the wrong package. Sarah Zen is described as off the shelf malware costing 60 bucks for a lifetime bundle the fileless rat combines the functions of quasar rat the r77 rootkit and the windows command line tool near command cmd sorry uh the hacker news reports um dang this thing's cheap um So again, be careful guys Don't download shit Um If you're If you're a dev Be careful Be careful That's all there is to it Then we've got Issues with unpatched WSFTP servers Um Sophos XOps is the cybersecurity group which found these new vectors. A relatively unknown threat actor going by the name Reichhodler Cybercrime Group. Sounds German. Anyway, um, apparently tried to deploy the Lockbit 3.0 builder, stolen in September 2022 against an unnamed company. These actors didn't wait long to abuse the recently reported vulnerability in WSFTP server software. Even though Progress Software that's the creator of WSFTP by the way uh, released a fix for this vulnerability in just last month not all the servers have been patched. Um... The cybersecurity group, not the threat actors, um, observed unsuccessful attempts to deploy the ransomware through the unpatched services. These are these appear to be automated. Uh, Reichadler tried to gain elevated privileges using the open source tool called God Potato. Even though the attempt failed, they still left a ransom note demanding $500 in cryptocurrency. (laughs) Huh. That's bold. You fail in an attack, and you try to get somebody to pay you. Huh. That's, yeah, I don't know. This, the researchers speculate, means that the attackers are either inexperienced or they automated an attack in which they targeted numerous companies or both. A showdown listing showed almost 2,000 vulnerable instances, according to Bleeping Computer. Um, So yeah, update your stuff, guys. Update your stuff. Make sure your servers are up to date. That way, these vulnerabilities get patched quicker. It's that simple. And this is kind of um, a mix between AI and security. <laughs> um. So we'll go ahead and switch here. Space Force. Bans the use of generative AI. Gee whiz. If the U.S. military is banning it, specifically the branch that's ostensibly meant to help protect cybersecurity, because that's what Space Force is about, not just, you know, out there. Anyway... Um, if they're banning the use of generative AI by their people um, then why are you still using it? Okay, so they've decided that these tools can't be used by employees of the Space Service. Why? Well, the first permanent chief technology and innovation officer uh, sent this internal memo to the Guardian workforce on September 29th. She explained how a temporary ban is now in place on such tools and until further notice. Um, a spokesman referred to it as a strategic pause. Why is it required? Well, points to concerns over cybersecurity, data handling, and procurement requirements within the space service. When relying on external web-based AI tools, huh? It's temporary because Costa admits that generative AI will undoubtedly revolutionaries revolutionize our workforce and enhance the Guardians' ability to act, to operate at speed. Yeah, that um, this, the members of the space force are called Guardians. tell me that's not a little cheesy anyway good people i'm sure but wow anyway i mean i suppose it, i suppose it's better than calling them spacemen you know you've got sailors and airmen and Soldiers, I guess. So, guardian sounds better than just saying, "Well, I'm a spaceman." <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, so, yeah, they're realizing that it's dangerous right now. That while you know that Wild West thing that Connor and I have been talking about whenever we talk about AI, that was spurred. By Microsoft's giant influence, outsized influence, on OpenAI, starting about a year ago. Which took it from, well, we'll release it when it's ready, when we have good privacy and security safeguards in place to, we're releasing it now! Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... Yeah. Apparently, 500 people at the Space Force were using Ask Sage, which is a secure and extensible GPT platform catering to government and corporate teams created by Nicholas Chilin, I guess. Um, yeah. So the Space Force is no longer allowed to use that, at least for the time being. So again, be careful with AI, everybody. Be careful with AI. Um, your data, once you put it in there, is no longer your data. Um, also, anything that you post online will probably be crawled and used to inform these large language models. Uh, and by the way, ChatGPT is completely out in the wild now, again able to open to access the open web and get current information which I suppose is very convenient for its users, but it's kind of terrifying for anybody who creates content, um, and cares about their intellectual property, which I do. Um, So yeah, there are ways around it. Um, I, I just strongly suggest that you not use it as much as you can not use it, okay? And good guy Google, I guess? Um, so, like Microsoft, they're going to protect their enterprise users from copyright claims. Assuming that those enterprise users were, you know, using Bard within, or uh, once it's completely rolled out, the. Bard-powered Google Assistant or, you know, Gmail search. um, All these things. Which, as long as you're using using it within the realm of their safe bubble, um, they'll protect you if they find that you intentionally sought out using copyrighted material they're going to um, they're not going to protect you but if you use thing if you used it in good faith and according to their guidelines they'll protect you if somebody comes after you So, yeah, there's that. And Amazon, not to be outdone, is investing about $4 billion in Anthropic. They're like, Kai, we're still over here. We, we do AI, too. And the Amazon AI is terrifying how well it knows you as an Amazon user. You know those suggestions they give you. Ah, uh, yikes. Anyway, so Amazon Anthropic up to four billion dollars, and taking a, and Amazon's taking a minority stake in the in Anthropic. Um. they're going to collab to create another foundation model aka large language model um they're just they just have access to an unreal amount of data that allows them to predict what's going to come next whether uh just generating text, images or video. Deep fakes are a thing, people. Be aware. Um Amazon feels like they're playing catch up. Um, and Anthropic has their own uh, AI model called Claude, which is not as good. The last I the last time I checked, um, Anthropic was founded by alums from OpenAI. Um, yeah, just be aware and. take solace I guess in the fact that anything from me is going to be from me I am I will not use ChatGPT I will not use Claude I will not use Bard or any of these other big tech AI models or chatbots um, because I feel like that short circuits things that it's kind of like cheating. It's like a cheat code. And... Uh, yeah, no. I'm not into that. Um, anyway. So, yeah. Just so you know. And on to the... Google antitrust case (laughs) Maybe I'm a little goofy about this No, more than a little Um So yeah Satya Nadella Who's the The CEO of Microsoft Took over for Balmer In 2014 So it's been almost 10 years Um claims that well Google Google's been unfair man and this guy's been around Microsoft for a long time for like 25 years so he remembers when Microsoft was on the uh, DOJ's hit list um so yeah the justice department is alleging that google has abused the dominance of its ubiquitous search engine to throttle competition and invita- and innovation at the expense of consumers which sounds a whole lot like uh m- IE IE versus Navigator back in the day Um, the the Microsoft CEO said that Google's dominance was due to agreements that made it the default browser on smartphones and computers he downplayed the idea that AI or more niche search engines like Amazon or social media sites have meaningfully changed the market in which Microsoft competes with Google he said that users fundamentally fundamentally don't have much choice in switching out of default web browsers on cell phones and computers. I, I disagree. If we're talking about web browsers, okay, you can always use something that's based on Gecko or WebKit versus Blink all the time. By the way, Blink is the engine behind Chrome. And obviously with Chrome, they default the search engine to Google and most browsers are the same way. Because unless you actually care about the uh, fairness, we'll say, of the results you are calling up and actually care to not be barraged with ads on the first page or two of your Google search. Um, then Google's just fine but if those things bother you if you would rather not have a strong leftist slant a strong narrative slant in your search results then maybe try something else maybe take a look at Brave maybe take a look at um, LibreWolf which is an open source project based on Firefox Um, and as far as the, the dominance of Google search It's hard to hold a candle to it because so many people have been using it for so long. And that volume of data and the fact that they got in the game when they did. Such that most people, instead of saying, oh, let me search for something, they say, let me Google it. That's, I mean, that's like Kleenex, right? Any face, facial tissue gets called Kleenex by many people, right? So with that said, it's a long, hard slog without government assistance in the form of this sort of antitrust case for any competition to claw any of that market share back from Google. Um, But yeah It's I think Google's gonna get slapped I don't know how hard Like I would love to see Google get disenfranchised I would Um, Because It's too big it's too dominant and as much as I hate to admit it it's hard to hold a candle to it unless you're really concerned about having fair search results Connor's been using Yahoo search which uses a pre- Um, uh, a pre-Bing chat Bing which I mean the results are actually pretty fair from what he said Um, so maybe take a look at Yahoo search and I haven't done a Yahoo search in a long time (laughs) probably close to 20 years Um, and to be clear I don't use Google search I haven't for years at least not by choice Um, and yeah the constraints and distractions posed by the government's antitrust case against Microsoft actually helped to provide provide a springboard for google to turn its search engine into a dominant force oh wow wow good job u.s government yeah i mean microsoft your naming sucks bing what the heck is that um Microsoft even tried to buy Yahoo for more than $40 billion um, which was rejected so yeah I think Google Google's going to get slapped again I don't know how hard we'll see I, I hope it's really hard. I hope they get disenfranchised. I hope their um, search gets split off from their Android development gets split off from um, the you know the Google the Google Workspace or whatever it is that they're calling it now. Um, you know the Gmail, the Google Drive, Docs, etc all these things should be separated because that is monopolistic plain and simple Um, now given they're easy to use I applaud them for that but where does all that data go and by the way the EULA that you signed the end user license agreement that you signed without actually reading it Uh, gives them the right to peruse all your data that cross their servers. So, if you want to use it, encrypt all the files you upload. Uh, If you want to use Gmail, I suggest just using it for like a spam box. Don't do anything else with it. And if you're really hooked into you, oh, and YouTube should be split off too. Um, yeah, just that whole pie needs to get sliced up. <laughs> and Apple's like, but guys, um, there just wasn't another good alternative. So we had to do Google and we had to sign this. We had to sign these exclusivity agreements with Google. Because it just didn't make sense for our users to use anything else because Google's so good. And, well, yeah, it has been except for that whole spying thing and that whole algorithmically uh, sorting and inserting all sorts of ads into your search results thing Um, yeah it's it's better but is it enough better I don't think so And on to Miscellany. Lenovo is going to start loading Android on its laptops. Watch out, Windows. Hmm. So they've gotten the green light to see a portfolio of new enterprise-focused devices powered by Esper Foundation, which is a custom Android OS and bundled with a complimentary mobile mobile device management platform. Again, remember, this is for... (laughs) This is to make it easier for enterprise-level IT departments to manage devices this is not for your typical end user okay just being clear the first device using running esper foundation is the lenovo thinkcenter m70a which is an aio de- desktop fitted with a 12th up to a 12th gen i9 with 16 gigs of ddr4 and up to a, a half terabyte ssd uh, Followed up by the M seventy Q, the M M ninety N one Internet of Things device, and the Think Edge SE thirty V two by the end of the year. Um, Esper Foundation is based on Android eleven, so it's a little old, and has customizable branding, branding sorry, peripheral compatibility, and quarterly security patches and three years of support. The MDM cert sir- system. Remotely deploys, manages, and updates devices from a single view Very convenient for IT guys Seriously uh, I'm concerned that it's based on Android 11 That's like, what, 3 or 4 years old now? Um, yikes um, So yeah this seems like shots fired from Lenovo. Like, they know how broken Windows is. And a properly deployed Android would run circles around Windows. So yeah, this is shots fired across Windows bow, as well as Chrome OS. And, you know, Lenovo does Chrome OS as well. So this sounds like more or less an even more enterprise focused version of Chrome OS. But Android, so you're just, it's just x86 Android. this, I mean, this sounds like a good move for them, actually. I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. Android's mature enough. Android x86 is mature enough. I can see this going a long way. Because it will unify how people are interacting with their devices. From their phones to their computers. That... that unicorn of pardon that unicorn that we've been chasing called convergence this is how we'd get there in in the easiest way So this is aimed at retail, hospitality, and healthcare on enterprise le- enterprise level. So, you know, Fortune five hundred type companies. Um, this is interesting. So we'll see how this goes, and we'll see if esper makes inroads with hp and dell if they do chromebooks may be not long for this world um because that's huge money and back to microsoft (laughs) you guys may have seen this article or one like it uh a few days ago yeah, $29 billion in back taxes. Gee, that would cover about a third of the cost of the Ukraine conflict, wouldn't it? Hmm, awful convenient. But no, this isn't directly related to that. And Microsoft towed the line from the very get-go with that. They're like, we're cutting Russia off. Um, Which actually wound up helping Russia more than it hurt um, in my opinion because it forced the Russian Federation and businesses within Russia to more quickly migrate over to more secure platforms like, oh, Linux. Anyway, so this audit has been ongoing for about 10 years. And this is an audit for the time period between 2003 and 2014. And of course, they're gonna they're gonna fight it, which means it's gonna take that much longer. And they think that they probably can reduce it by up to a third, or a little bit more than a third, um, thanks to the tax cuts and Jobs Act from. Good old Brandon. Oh wait, actually, that wasn't a Brandon. That was a that was a Trump. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what they actually wind up having to pay. But this is not even it, like when last year they had eighty three billion dollars in in operating income. that's not that that's that's huge that's not overall revenue that's operating income guys that's net that's pure profit essentially um So yeah, we'll we'll see if this actually, how much this actually affects them, and how soon. Um, and I couldn't completely avoid talking about this. I'm going to be very careful. And I'm going to say that I don't think that what everybody thinks is happening here is actually happening here. But exactly what it is that's happening with the situation in the middle east right now the conflict between hamas and israel um it may okay so it makes sense the eu would be like um so google uh youtube guys y- you need to make sure that you uh, clamp down on disinformation and graphic content make sure that kids aren't seeing you know Beheaded bodies, or beheadings, or anything like that, and yeah, fine, good, actually, I'm glad. But uh, this word is a giant red flag for me because whenever a whenever a government agency starts talking about disinformation, that's that says we don't like something and we want it gone because it's probably true remember we're living in 1984 guys it's really that cut and dried I wish it weren't Um, so yeah the European Commission sent a warning letter yesterday to Google and, its, and to Google and YouTube over disinformation and graphic content linked to the Hamas-Israel conflict in the EU's latest effort to scrutinize big tech's handling of the war. Um, I'm sorry. There's a conflict. I would not say that it's a war at this point. Um... It's a significant uptick in the constant rumbling. They they turn they turned it up to ten, maybe not eleven. Eleven would be a full a full fledged war. Um, and there's a lot of noise, and there's a lot of well we'll just leave it at noise um so yeah um there the eu is concerned about content moderation um no shock there um This brings me to a second area of pressing concern, tackling disinformation in the context of elections, a priority which we personally discussed when we met in Brussels in May, said Breton, the commissioner of the... the European Commissioner. Um... yeah disinformation around elections I'm sorry Trump won I'm I'm just gonna say that right now it was stolen cause I'm sorry how did a guy who can't even climb stairs without tripping How did a guy who barely left his basement during a presidential election win 81 million votes? How did that happen? Like, I'm not saying Trump is an angel or that Trump is perfect. He's far from it. Even he'd say he's not perfect as inflated as his ego seems to be um but you guys remember this dude is a New Yorker they brag they brag just as much if not more than Texans we all know how much Texans like to brag um and it's a part of his persona the brash New Yorker right so his public persona is always going to seem a little off, but it's not who he actually is, as far as I can tell. Anyway, I I digress. So yeah, um, Trump won. Biden didn't this the last what two and a half years, almost three, uh shouldn't have happened. But I'm wondering if a lot of people just needed to be awakened through a near-death experience for our culture. I know that sounds like cute, doesn't it? Anyway, um But yeah, so election disinformation that's uh, Marxist claptrap for the truth that we don't want people to know. That seems straightforward enough, right? Um, And then the the whole Israel-Hamas thing. I'm I, I'm not going to touch that too much more. Because... There's too much coverage on it already. And... Like I said... On, on At the top of this article... I don't think... That what we think is happening there... Is actually happening. I really don't. Um, I think it's... Something else. Probably something else entirely. So yeah I mean yeah that's all I'm going to say about that so thanks for watching guys thanks for listening really appreciate it wish my wish my co-host could have been alongside but sometimes things happen and that's not a realistic thing so again again thanks for watching thanks for watching don't ever forget let's go Brandon toss me a like especially if you stuck around this long subscribe follow all that sort of good stuff share it with somebody who may need to know about cybersecurity um maybe your IT guy needs uh needs needs an update uh Drop me a comment down below. Um, music, of course, is Warzone by Anna Domini Beats. Drop me a line in the comments. Drop me a line via email, mediatechfreedom.pro. Thanks so much, and I will see you guys next week.